Dancing Now is sponsored by the Real Dads Week 2021. Honoring Black fatherhood worldwide, sharing honor, sharing love, celebrating Real Dads. Starting June 5th to June 12th, organized by the Real Dads Network. Amazing week aimed at acknowledging and recognizing fathers and father figures who are extraordinary role models and play such a vital role in the success of children. The Real Dad Network is the only organization in the country that celebrates fathers for a whole week. They started with Black Father Week in 2008, but moved to Real Dads Week to be more inclusive, but their focus is still Black fathers. During these 10 years, they have given over 250 awards to fathers. They have been blessed to collaborate with many fatherhood organizations, community organizations, churches, politicians, and many individuals who fight every day to uplift fathers. To register for Real Dads Week 2021, the link in the description below. So for you, yeah, yeah. There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end of discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. It's a byproduct 
toxic masculinity. May ever heard of that? Toxic masculinity is the ideal that men are limited in what defines what it means to be a man. And more often than not, it is pigeonholed into men being aggressive, men being stuck. And welcome and welcome to Dad is Not and Now. My name is Ishmael. I hope everyone's doing well. And I'm truly excited to have this special guest with me. Because as black men, when it comes to trauma and mental health, we are a picture hole. And I have the perfect guest with me to talk about that a little bit. I have Douglas Powell, a.k.a. Roscoe Burnham with me. How you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, real fast, tell a little people about yourself. So, um, yeah, so born Douglas Powell, artistically Roscoe Burnham's, and so we, we, we definitely answer to both. I am Richmond, Virginia's first poet laureate. I am a watering hole fellow. Uh, I've, been a te- a, a, I've done a TED Talk, um, a national poetry slam champion, uh, and I guess bigger than that, I am a, a husband and a proud father of two children, a 14-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. That's awesome, man. And thank you for coming on with me. I appreciate your time because I know you're a busy man. You got a lot of got a lot of stuff going on. I follow you on IG. You, you're a busy man. So I appreciate your time. I truly, truly do. But real fast, you know, we're living in this global bastard. So how have you and your family been going through this through this pandemic? We've been we've been faring pretty well. Uh, we've been we've been very fortunate uh, to be able to transition as well as we have. Um, of course, you know the pandemic hit all the artists very hard. I'm a full time teaching artist, so you know schools aren't really doing workshops. Nobody's in classes anymore. Um, and before everything started happening virtually, nothing was happening. So <laughs> I am just kind of at home, kind of twiddling my thumbs, trying to figure out like, okay, I guess my career is over now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we learned to adapt, we learned to adjust. Uh, I started doing more stuff virtually. Um, it actually gave me a lot of time to be at home with my kids, you know, more and um, be able to help, you know, facilitate that, that educational process. And so now my, my son is doing taxes. <laughs> my son's doing taxes and, you know, solving cancer and all that kind of stuff now. So it's been, <laughs> it's been great for him academically, which is which I'm really, really excited about. And my wife was able to transition. She's a white collar worker. She's an accountant. So she was able to work from home. And uh, we've been able to kind of push through. OK, I think everybody's got a little cabin fever, you know, just tired of being cooped up in the house. But outside of that, I think we're managing pretty well. And that's awesome. man. But quick question. What has the pandemic taught you as a father, as a husband and as a man? Um, that I need time away from my children. <laughs> That's what it's. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> no, look, I. <laughs> That's an honest answer. All right, That's an honest answer. <laughs> Listen, um, no, but like, um, we love our time together. It's it's show me like. Uh, how well I know my children and how well I didn't know my children. You know, we're all really busy. You know what I mean? My my daughter is, is 14. She's got friends. She's got interests. She's got her own life that she's starting to you know blossom into. Um, my son is 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 growing by the second. You know, so there's a lot of things that you miss when you're working.
working nonstop and you're, you know, you're just trying to balance everything. So with the pandemic, where the, the blessing was is that it slowed everybody down for a little while. And we were all just able to spend more time together and really get to know each other. Um, and so, and, and we really, really enjoyed it. And, and also, yeah, like there are times we know that we need some space, right? Everybody needs their own individual time, their me time. And that's okay too. I think that that's a healthy balance in the, in the household, you know, in the family dynamic, knowing that, you know, you want to have time with each other, but you also need time apart. That's, it's important for any relationship. And also that, you know, what's the old adage? Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? So being able to have some time away from each other, even though we're all in the house together, having some time away from each other, um, we're able to come back and be like, well, how was your day? Or what are you into now? Um, and so I get to pick my kid's brain in a different way than I have before. And I, and I love it. And then talk about, cause I know in the previous in interview, you talked about the vision board, talk about that, uh, the vision board that, and have you utilized that with your kids too? So, um, I talk about it with my, my daughter. I love vision boards so much. So, uh, <laughs> I do. I know it's, it sounds like kind of corny, but like I, no, I love no. it. And everything that I've been able to kind of check off, uh, check off my list and things I wanted to accomplish, you know, getting my first special on TV, um, you know, becoming a teaching artist, becoming poet laureate, uh, all these things I had them on my vision board for first years, you know what I mean? And just, just trying to, you know, just, you know, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. I'm just going to keep working hard and it's, I'm going to figure this out. And it just helped me kind of keep everything in perspective and keep everything in focus. So I talk about, I talk uh, about that with my daughter more. She's, she's the teenager. So I talk about that with my daughter more, um, uh, more often than probably my son, my son's four. And uh, I think she's starting to get it. She doesn't do vision boards just yet, but she is. Um, she's a she's a, a visual learner though, and she draws and she does digital media, and she you know she's able to kind of like, kind of visualize her own stuff in that way. Um, uh, she's also becoming like a writer now, and so she's building these like short stories and these fictional tales, but she kind of inserts her own reality, her own life into those fictional tales, and so I think it's helping her visualize where she would want to be, or you know, what I mean, if she could kind of create her own reality, this is what it would look like. And I think that's, it's the same process. Manifestation looks very different for each person. And so as long as she understands that if she keeps that focus or she's able to dream and visualize whatever it is she wants to be, it's going to, it's going to start to happen. The universe is going to start to kind of build that around, um, around what you know, what you are, and what you want, and what you want to be. And then also, can you connect the visual board to discipline? Because I think they go hand in hand because you can visualize something, but at the same time, you put in that work. You got to put in that work to make it happen. I think for me, that kind of came naturally, honestly. So and have certain things in mind. I'm like, OK, I got to buckle down. This is what it is. And I mean, if that meant I needed to cut out certain things or cut out certain people or, you know, just change my surroundings, change my environment, I knew it was for the greater good. And I think that's what vision boards sometimes help with. Right. You start to see the bigger picture. And once you see the bigger picture, you're like, OK, all these little small things that are in my way, all these little obstacles. I don't have time to focus on those things now. You know, what I mean, if somebody I feel like if somebody's dead me back or they're not happy for my success i don't have no time to focus on that now because i'm focused on the bigger picture i'm focused on where i want to be and so i think that's what helped i think sometimes i think well i think it happens naturally and it may not happen for everyone like that but i do think that once you start manifesting and you find a path of manifesting that works for you it, it helps kind of 
you, you know, you get you get tunnel vision a little bit. You're like, nah, I'm gonna get this and I'm gonna focus on this. And once you develop that focus, everything else around you is like, nah, that's not even that's not even in my, you know, that's not even in my 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 vision right now. I can't even focus on that. And you start to develop that discipline over time. And then how did that help you to create that uh, amazing show that you did on uh, that's on uh, Amazon now? And then also, I think the platform is uh, Toby Toby platform your uh show comedy so how did that kind of correlate how did that work how did it yeah work so, so yo shout first of all shout out to my big sister nikki um who was really the one who pushed me to do it because i did not i did not think that tromedy would work um i knew i loved stand up and i knew i really loved poetry, I've been doing poetry and spoken word for years. I did not think trying to figure out a way to blend these worlds together was gonna be something that people would understand or accept. And so she was like, nah, you just gotta do it. You just gotta do it and just see what happens. So that was really where, and we worked on my vision board and I, I had, I gotta be honest, I didn't really have um, a very focused intent. I didn't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? And so I was like, well, I don't, I know I don't want it to just be a show, but I don't really know what I want it to, to be. Um, and then so, you know, it's funny how that's where it's, that's where it starts. And then it, it snowballed from there. I was like, mm, I want people to see this later, right? I want people to be able to access this later. I don't want this just to be this one, this one show. I want people to have have this for you know years to come. All right, let's film it. All right, cool. We're gonna film it. I don't know where we're gonna put it once we film it, but we're gonna film it. So, so then I reached out to some people and I, I called in some favors. And at first, it, it didn't go well. And then I had a homegirl come out of the woodwork and was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll help you." You know what I mean? And that's how the universe works, right? Like you keep, you gotta work. You gotta put the work in, and you gotta put the effort in. And then everything around you starts to kind of fall in and fall into place. And so I had a homegirl who was like, "Yeah, I got a camera crew." I'll come through if you can just slide us a little bit so it's not, you know, so it's worth their time. Cool. So I scrounge up, my, my wife and I, we scrounge up some money. You, we, make, we make it happen. I still don't know where it's going. It was her. It was it was my homegirl, Nakia. Shouts out to Kia and, um, and Quali Legacy, their production company. Um, it was it was that, that crew where she was like, oh, yeah, well, I, um, I had reached out to Amazon. They have this like independent platform and I put a documentary up there. You could probably just put that on there and, and see how that goes. And I'm like, really? That's how it's, you can just do that? <laughs> and boom, you know what I mean? Like we, we make it happen and I get somebody to handle the editing and, and everything just started to fall into place. And then boom, we're on Amazon, right? And then let me tell you how, like, so look, when you, when you, when you, uh, when you have a vision, there's going to be things that's going to like, block that, right? There's going to be things that's going to get in the way that you're going to reach an impasse and you got to figure out how to get around that wall, how to get past it. We get on Amazon. Numbers are good. Then they snatch it off Amazon. They do this like quarterly review. And if they don't feel like it's meeting their standards, then they pull, they pull it. Okay. So then we get pulled from Amazon, off of Amazon's platform. And I'm like, well, there it is. That, that was it. You know what I mean? We're, we're done. Um, but I'm like, I, I, this has got to go somewhere. Like I, I gotta, this has got to go somewhere else. So I was like, so now we back on the hunt to try to figure out where it's going to go. I come across a distributor that plugs you into all these different streaming platforms mm. and shouts out to film hub 
filmhub.com. Filmhub uh, is a distributor that plugs you into all these streaming platforms. And then by chance, one of the first places they reach out to is Amazon. Wow. They were able to get it back on Amazon Prime. Not only that, if your numbers do okay, then they'll push your title to other platforms. So now we on Tubi, now we on Plex, now we on this, now we on Vimeo, now we don't, you know what I mean? Like now we now we ain't just limited to one to one spot. So you think sometimes when you get knocked down or when that path, that seems like that path gets cut off and you're like, oh man, but that's the path I was gonna choose. That's what I was gonna go. How you gonna, how you gonna <laughs> block my path? But that detour put me in so many other spaces where other people can access me. And so you gotta you gotta just know that the universe is working with you. You know what I mean? The universe ain't working against you. You know what I mean? The uni- you know, like you, if as long as you want to see yourself succeed, success is coming. But you gotta keep that vision. And that's what the, and that's and that's and it starts with that vision board. I put everything. I put Amazon up on that vision board. I put all that like everything. I put it all in that vision board because I want to stay focused. And then the, and an important thing that you brought up is learning to adapt. And I think that's an important thing that I think that hinders a lot of people learning to how to adapt to your situation. Sometimes what you plan may not work, but if you're willing to pivot, it may work out in your events at the end of the day. So kind of talk about that too, that importance of pivoting, you know what I mean? Cause that is vital to be, uh, to have longevity in what you're doing. The, the success of, and I know I'm, I'm starting really broad. I'm going to narrow it in in a second. The success of any species is contingent on their ability to adapt and evolve, right? You have to. And so it, it doesn't change just because we're now in, we're in modern society. That that fundamental process of, of survival hasn't changed. If something doesn't work, you got to adapt and evolve. You got to change. You got to you got to you got to move. Uh, you can't stay stuck. If you stay stuck, you'll go extinct. You'll die off, right? You have to keep moving, and so it's gonna be—it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be rough. It's gonna seem like it's not working at first. You're gonna feel like a failure. All these—you're gonna feel all these things, but you have to keep—you have to keep growing. You have to keep evolving. You have to keep looking for another path in order to get where you want to be. If you stay stuck, you're going nowhere. That's fact. And then let's talk about, because I enjoyed your TED Talk. Let's talk about toxic masculinity, because that kind of leads into that adapting, too. Because, again, you have to pivot. You're not your environment. Because that's the one thing I right. learned from your um, your um, TED Talk, is that you're not your environment. That's not who you are. So kind of talk about that, too, as how did toxic masculinity um you know, hindered you or um, helped you as a child growing up and now as a father? So I was able to take uh, a lot of the, um, the the toxicity that I grew up in, a lot of the negligence that I grew up with from the men in my life. I was able to take that and say, look, I don't like the way this feels. I don't like the way this looks. When I become a parent, if I become a parent, I'm going to do things differently. So I grew up in a a fairly traditional house, um, minus having my dad around. Grew up in a house full of women who were all like Southern Baptist women. You know what I mean? That kind of, you know, Southern traditional house. So, you know, look, if you're a man, you got to, you know, your your job is to work. 
and to make money and and uh and that and you know build a house i don't know like that's <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do right you take care of your kids and you work and that's it you know and so and and one i wanted more than that and then also if you're a man you got to be hard all the time you know you can't be soft right that's not what men do men are protectors and providers and because they're protectors and providers you they got to be stoic they got to be hard emotionless um uh, just these, these stoic creatures and that didn't feel natural for me either i was very emotional <laughs> all the time you know what i mean i was a crybaby as a child i wrote poetry like this stoic and emotionless didn't fit in my you know in my you know my my arsenal at all so none of that felt natural for me and i was like but this doesn't seem this doesn't seem right this doesn't seem like it fits for everybody and that's the kind of guy you want to be uh, okay sure but that's not humans humans in general aren't monolithic so you you can't just attack these stereotypes and attach these these ways to how all people should behave we we just we know that humans are so individualized and that's what makes us great right the fact that we all have these kind of quirks and um these different kind of unique things about us so fast forward to becoming a father i'm like i don't want to i want my son to understand that he has a range of emotions he can he can access right? If, if things hurt, I'm still human, right? If things hurt me, I'm going to cry, you know what I mean? Or I'm going to feel sad or I'm, you know, or I'm going to feel upset or, and I may want to express that in some way. Like taking away from men is, is destructive. And, and when you start to create these stoic boys, what you end up getting is emotionless men, you know what I mean? Who don't know how to access that. But now you want these men to be in whole relationships. Well, relationships require some level of emotion. Right, they they were they require you to access your feelings and express those feelings in some way, shape, or form. And so, if we don't have access to that as a youth, then it's very difficult to have access to that as an adult and to find that emotional capability. So, I I took all that that all those restrictive things as a boy and turned that into nurturing as a man now raising two children. You know what I mean? And raising my daughter and my son in a fairly similar way. My daughter gets access to be able to, to say, I'm sad, I'm upset, I'm hurt, I want to cry. This, you know, I, I'm heartbroken, I'm whatever. My daughter gets access to all that. She's able to, to be in tune with all those emotions. I don't want to take my son away from that. My son's a human. He's a human being with feelings and emotions. So he also has that same level of access to be able to say, I'm upset, I'm sad, I want to cry, I'm heartbroken, I'm whatever. Like, and, and be able to know that that is okay because that is a part of the human experience. Um, I think that is really debilitating as a species, as a culture to say that, this one type of human can 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 be emotional, can can say what they feel, can can be in tune with that. And then this human over here, because they look a little different, shouldn't be able to do those things. It's unfair. And I wasn't going to raise my kids in that type of unfair society. And I agree with that, because if you think about it, to put it in a simple form, it's like the Terminator. You know, the Terminator character became lovable when you start seeing his emotional side, his human side. <laughs> right. If 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 you, if you think about it, but no, but it is very true. Um, but also talking to talk about what I appreciate you too about um, is that you don't badmouth your dad, even though your your dad wasn't around. But I don't hear anything negative about your dad because I I kind of come from the same um, story from you, like um, 
my father wasn't around. Um, luckily, I had my stepdad there, but luckily, my mom would never say anything negative about him, you know. And so, but the one thing that was frustrated about me, frustrated with me a little bit, was I don't know if you get it. It's like growing up, a lot of people said I would look like my dad, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> like I, you know, the only time my father came around is like when I look in the mirror. I'm like, oh, like, like, okay. So have you had a, a, a scenario like that before, where like people say you you constantly look like your dad, but also talk about like how your mom played a cr- critical role too, because like my mom played a critical role in my life, and not bad mouth my my, my biological, biological dad. So, um, so, so my dad has definitely caught hell from me. Don't don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> he is definitely listen. <laughs> he is definitely caught. He's definitely caught some hell from me. Not you know. So wild though is it. It wasn't for the absence. He dipped when I was about two or three years old. Right. Um, and it wasn't just. It wasn't for the absence. I could get over that. Right. I can. I could get over that. Where where my where my father caught a lot of um a lot of flack from me was when we finally met, when we finally met, he took no accountability for his his absence. You know what I mean? It was all, oh well, your mother was difficult. Oh, uh, you know, well, you know, I, I didn't think she wanted me around. I'm sure, I'm sure she didn't want you around. I don't know what that has to do with me. All right, what that got to do with me? <laughs> So I, you know, and, and then we, you know, we tried to have conversations now as an, as an adult and it, and it was weird because what he wanted was to now kind of pick up where he left off and wanted to kind of play daddy. But I'm like, bruh, you missed 20 plus years. It's really hard for you just to jump in and be, you know, and try to like kind of, you know, pull your pants up and, and flex a little bit. Cause that's not the relationship we have or not the relationship we have yet. We're going to have to take time. And he didn't want to hear none of that. So that's why my dad gets a lot of guff from me. But but to my mom's credit, though, she didn't. She had every opportunity to badmouth my father. There was a long list of things she could have said that I learned about later. <laughs> but she didn't. She never talked bad about him. She, you know what I mean? She never talked bad about him. And and I guess to some extent, I appreciate that. Because what happened was I was able to, to meet him without any preconceived notions, without any you know, coming in with any bad blood for real, for real. And we were able to establish a relationship or not establish a relationship based on our own merit, based on our own merit without her being in my ear and being like, well, he was this and he was this and he was this and he did this. She never, she was never that type of person. You know what I mean? So, um, shouts out, shouts out to Rosa May because she, she was, she was a real one and she did the best that she could. My mom was super instrumental in my life. I tell people all the time, I learned how to be a good father by watching men around you know what i mean my, like i had one uncle he wasn't really around i had some older cousins they weren't really close you know what i mean like i didn't have any my brother was locked up by the time i turned 14 and so i didn't have any male role models around for real for real you know what i mean so i'm i'm watching you know i'm watching the huxtables and fresh prince of bel-air trying to you know what i mean <laughs> taking taking notes you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is, what is Carl Winslow over there doing? Like, I, I, that looks like the right thing to do. Let me, I, I'm, I'm doing that. So, you know, outside of that, my mom was my huge, was the biggest influence. I'm like, when I become a dad, I want to be a dad like my mom was, because I didn't have nothing else. You know what I mean? I grew up in a house full of women. My mom, my grandmother, my granny, all living in the same house with me. I, I grew up with nothing but matriarchs. So, 
you know, I'm very grateful for, for my mother and the women in my life in general, um, because they helped mold me into the man they wanted to see, right? Because they their their fathers or their husbands had dipped. So they were like, you're gonna be better than that. You're gonna you're gonna be the one who breaks the cycle. Okay. So I'm super grateful for my mother and and, <laughs> and all the all that we went through together. <laughs> And that's and and like I said, that's the amazing thing too. Is like you could see that in your body of work, is that you know you're working hard to change the narrative. Even though you know you dealt with a lot of trauma, but you work so hard to change that narrative or perception of black fathers. Because you know, for decades, black fathers been getting that the horrible stereotype of being dead bad dads, uh, deadbeat dads. Which right. you know, there's some element of truth. But if you think of the large percentage, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a kind of a myth. So I, I appreciate you doing so that. So it is it actually it really is a myth. And so this is this is what I want people to, to either Google because you don't have to take my word for it. But um, so, I you know, I look I realized that I, I grew up fatherless, but I got older and realized that. I was in the minority. So and then um, and from as far as anecdotal evidence is concerned, like my friends who are also black boys, you know what I mean? They actually grew up with their fathers in the house. You know what I mean? Or like later, like, you know, their parents may have gotten divorced, but they were still seeing their dads on the weekends or whatever. The majority of the of the dudes that I grew up with had their father in their life. Fun fact, the white friends that I had actually grew up fatherless like me. <laughs> so it's it's definitely, again, it's not monolithic, right? You know what I mean? Everybody's experience is different. Then come 20, I want to say 2017, 2018, right? I stumble across an article that um, quotes, uh, that, that shows some statistics from uh, National Health Statistics and the CDC. There was a study done about active fathers in the house, right? Uh, or active fathers in general, whether they were in the house or not. And it showed that by race, black men were more active than any other race, including white men. Black men were at the top of the list as far as being active fathers. And that's a real statistic. People can go Google it. They can look up the articles from the CDC and the National Health Statistics. Black men are in their children's lives and are more active fathers than any other race in America. So it has been a myth and it's been a myth for a very long time. And even though that's not my story, my kids are growing up with being in that statistic, right? They're, they're growing up with me in the house, being an active father, being around, showing them love showing them affection showing them how to you know i mean how to you know how to be healthy responsible adults like i'm i'm changing i'm changing the narrative that we've been fed because black men been out here doing it just because my dad dropped the ball doesn't mean that he represents all of black fathers black men have been out here handling their business and and being in their kids lives i'm i'm trying to continue that and i'm trying to change this stereotype this stigma that we've been fed because we've been fed that by mainstream media and by mainstream i mean white so <laughs> we've been fed we've been fed that i'm gonna keep it a buck with you you know what I mean? i'm gonna keep it a buck i love it man <laughs> we've been fed that but that's not that has not been the standard that has not been the truth um and we've allowed ourselves to believe it we've allowed ourselves to believe it but i'm i'm, I'm over that and so i want to be really vocal about look black men are out here winning we out here doing all the daddy things, right? And loving it, doing it all and enjoying it. Because that's the other stereotype is that, oh man, you see a man with his kids, you know what I mean? Like judge such and such, you know what I mean? Probably ordered this this weekend for him. 
<laughs> and so he's just trying to make it through. He's, you know what I mean? Everybody thinks that. Everybody thinks that dads just want to show up and, and matching outfits and take selfies, but it's not. It's not the case, man. We, we, we out here. I, I love being a dad. It's my favorite job. It's my favorite job. And I, and, I, and I feel an energy, and that's why I created this platform. I'm not a father, but I'm a big fan of fathers like yourself and other fathers that I've had on the show because I want you to tell your story on this platform. And then also it's dedicated to my father, who my step, my I call him my father. You know, you know, yeah. he's not my biological, but he's my father who passed away earlier this year. And so this is like this platform is dedicated to all the fathers like him. And so I love to hear those stories, and that's important. Um, before we end the show, talk about the event you have coming up for Father's Day. Awesome. So, uh, so yeah, my first my first comedy and poetry special was called Tromedy, and this actually kind of picks up where it left off. But I'm really focusing on the black experience and how that affects fatherhood. So the show is called My Life as a Black Dad. It's a poetry and comedy special. Uh, it is happening live in Richmond, Virginia on Father's Day, June 20th. It's going to be a really great show. It's going to be funny. It's going to be it's going to be insightful. I'm going to have some 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 great pieces around centered around fatherhood and what it means to be black uh, or both. Uh, and then we're going and we're going to talk about, you know, what it means to be a parent uh, and how that experience changes, changes you when you're growing up in America or when you're raising children in America um, who, you know, can be can become a target very fast. So uh, and how to navigate that and what that looks like and the fear that comes with that as a parent uh, when you have to try to you know navigate two children through that world. So but it's going to be really funny and it's going to be really insightful. You're going to feel all the feels when you come and see it. Um, so if you're in if people are, you know if they're in the Richmond Virginia area or if they're nearby, come come check out the show. Um, and then, you know soon enough it will it will, it will be streaming somewhere. I'm hoping we're streaming somewhere because I know there's a lot of people across the country that won't be able to make it to Richmond, right. but would like to see, get that experience and tell that story, man. But King, thank you for jumping on with me. I really appreciate it, man. I know you're a busy man. Um, where can people find you? So um, they can go to my website, which is roscoeb.webs.com. Uh, or they can find me on social media uh, at Roscoe Burnham's uh, R O S C O E B U R N E M S uh, on all social media. I'm super easy to find. There's not that many Roscoe Burnham's is, is, is floating around. So, um, you know, if you Google me, I'll pop up and uh, yeah. Uh, awesome, man. Thank you for your time and we out. Peace. Yeah. There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't No, I'm right alongside you, here but that I'm behind you But always got you, end of discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded 
prepare you For all of the above that I'm never letting get near you But still in all, give you every advantage I found Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown And since the baton was passed, I've been down Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all my message to any dad, man, first off, know that, yeah, it, it is a hard job, but it's the greatest job in the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't change anything about it. Everything you're doing from here on out, if it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Just be a dad.